Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Download episodes of previous shows. Welcome to the podcast. So the holidays are coming up, and if you're selling anything online, it's time to prepare for the busiest time of the year. We're actually over at SwitchPod preparing, and we couldn't be more thankful for one of the tools that helps us manage our shipping, and that's called Ship Station. It allows us to, no matter where sales are coming in from, to get the addresses and to get the shipping to get the product to the customer. I mean, it just really makes things very simple. You know, figuring out the best way to ship your orders can be absolutely frustrating, and as it has been for us at one point. But ShipStation makes it quick, easy, and convenient. You can easily import orders from any sales channel. You can automate just about every shipping task. Uh, You can spend less time sorting through orders and more time doing what you do best and integrates with all the selling channels in one simple dashboard. Uh, Seamlessly integrates with carriers, printer labels, and you know, all the things. Over 100,000 sellers actually use ShipStation, including SwitchPod. So uh, check it out. UPS, USPS, doesn't really matter. With ShipStation, small businesses can now access the same rates usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies without the contracts or commitments. So it's never too early to start prepping for the holiday rush, so get a head start with ShipStation. My listeners can use the offer code SPI to get a 60-day free trial just in time for the holidays. That's two months of stress-free holiday shipping for free. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top, and enter SPI. ShipStation, make ship happen. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, the Pat of all trades, master of fun, Pat Flynn. This past Wednesday, we interviewed Mike Pacquion, who is an amazing speaker. He once worked with Nancy Duarte, whose organization helped people like Steve Jobs, create presentations, and we all know how wonderful Steve Jobs' presentations are or were. And so Mike has high caliber when it comes to helping people with their speaking, and he had helped me with some of my first presentations back in 2013, and he's completely influenced my entire speaking career. We had a great chat about storytelling. Storytelling is absolutely key. So make sure to check out that episode if you get a chance, perhaps right after this one, if you haven't already heard that one. It's a great episode, and storytelling is one of the most valuable skills that you can learn as a content creator, right? Because great content, one that relates to people, one that people resonate with, one that people share, always has some sort of story. And I remember when I went to a conference, and this was actually a couple years after I started my podcast. Actually, it was even sooner than that. It was about a year after I started my podcast. I was very reluctant, in fact, to start my podcast. There's a little trend with me, behavioral trend, and that is whenever I have to put myself out there on somewhere new, it takes me a while, right? It takes me some time to get comfortable there. And 
every time I always look back and go, wow, what, what was I so worried about? I should have done it sooner. I should have leaned into it more earlier. And the same thing happened with my speaking, as you heard in the last episode. And of course, the same thing happened with my podcast. I'd announced that I wanted to start a podcast in December of 2008. It was a podcast that influenced me. I really wanted to do a podcast because I wanted to help influence and positively impact others. And yet it took me a entire year and a half to finally get behind the microphone and record something that I was okay publishing. I still wasn't comfortable publishing, but I was just like, okay, fine, let's let's do this. And I haven't looked back since. It's been 11 years and running. And so number one, I'm just very grateful for you. But number two, about a year after I started my show, mind you, I was only podcasting once every other week. Again, it took me a while to ramp up. Now I have thousands of episodes and podcasts multiple times a week. But I was only podcasting every other week. That's when an episode was coming out. And I didn't do a good job of planning, right? It was an episode came out, I hit publish on it, and then I had to scramble to think about, okay, who am I gonna interview in the next two weeks? What was I gonna talk about next? And that's never the way to go about content creation. You wanna plan ahead a little bit so you can batch process and not ever get into that spiral or that hamster wheel, similar to what happens when you're trying to write a story looking at a blank screen. You wanna have something in front of you to kind of work off of anyway. I'm on a little bit of a tangent here. Let me go back to the story. I attended an event in Las Vegas. It was called Blog World Expo. It later changed to New Media Expo. Anyway, I just started my podcast about a year prior, and I was blogging three times a week, podcasting once every other week. And I remember walking across the hallway. This was right around the time when people started to really know who I was. This was the second time I was at this conference, and some people had recognized me and saw me from the year before. and the conversation changed from the prior year. The prior year, people were getting to know me and my blog a little bit. I didn't have a podcast yet. And we just kind of were getting to know each other. This time, people would come up to me and they would just start by saying, Pat, I loved that episode you did about whatever. Or, wow, that story you told about the time that you and your wife had a kid and you didn't have uh, insurance, which was a true story. That was crazy. They remember that. They remember the story of me getting my first sale in the time when I mentioned that on the podcast. It was all about podcasts, podcast, podcast, podcast. And within those podcasts, it was either a story that they remembered or a fun fact that just resonated with them for some reason. As you know, at the beginning of each of my episodes on Wednesday and Friday, there is a fun fact that's read by my voiceover guy, John Melly. And there's over 500 of them now. And when I meet people in person, they either recall a story that I told on the show or one of those fun facts. So anyway, all those people were giving me clues that I had to lean into podcasting. I was even saying, well, what about the blog? Didn't you like my blog post that I put you know, several hours into and research and all the top tips that I found and gathered and collated into this one spot for you? They're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But man, that story you told was, was incredible or it really hit home for me, or I could relate to that, right? Those were the responses people were saying. So that was my clue to double down on the podcast, right? That's when I went from bi-weekly to then weekly. And then a couple of years later, I launched another podcast called Ask Pat, which if you haven't checked out yet, you should definitely check it out. Now there are coaching calls with people and I could coach you too. You can go to askpat.com and fill out an application and I might be able to help you out. So that was a clue that I needed the podcast more. And I did, I'm so grateful I did that, especially back then because podcasting, of course, has continued to grow and rise and it's still in the early days, in my opinion. If you have yet to start a podcast and you know that storytelling is a great thing to do, and maybe you're a little bit afraid of getting behind the camera, 
I mean, you don't know if I'm wearing pants right now or makeup or no pants and no makeup or makeup and no pants. Wait, no, it doesn't get weird like that. I promise you, now you have weird visuals, right? That's the power of the voice. I can say, hey, check out that elephant riding on a skateboard. You can't not imagine it now, right? You're imagining it. So this is the power of the voice, and I leaned into that. I didn't even realize that everybody was pinpointing the power of the story, though. So that's why in the beginning days of my podcast, it was very much about interviewing and finding out the facts about what people did to grow their blog, what people did to market their product, how they grew and scale on a particular platform. And it wasn't until I think episode 150, 160, where I started to realize that, wow, it's all these episodes where the person I was interviewing was a really good storyteller that are actually blowing everybody's mind, that are getting responses and people are sending emails about, personal emails about how those episodes, like episode 122 with Shane and Jocelyn Sams, you might remember him from episode 500. He interviewed me. We did like a flipped episode. Big shout out to Shane. Love you, brother. He just told great stories. And I think he's a natural born storyteller. He's got that kind of personality. And it definitely works in his favor for podcasting, for helping others and you know being a speaker. And so whether you're a speaker or you're a podcaster or you're a YouTuber or even a blogger, you're, you're using the written word, an author, you need to include the stories. Now, one tip that was mentioned from Ramit Sethi that I believe we discussed in the previous episode with Mike was this idea of building a story bank. I think banks are great, right? Banks keep your money safe, but they also keep your story safe. And they become a place where you could kind of grab those stories from times past and resurface them for maybe an event that you're speaking at or a podcast episode that you're doing, a solo show. You wanna go into the files, pull out that one story that relates to that topic that your audience is interested in, boom, there it is. And it's pretty cool because every time you tell the same story again and again, it gets better, especially when there's feedback. Feedback from a podcast is kind of difficult, and I was very lucky to be there in person at this event in 2012, I think it was, to hear that feedback in real time. I think nowadays, we could potentially practice storytelling while not necessarily on a stage or even at a live event, but on a live stream. We have YouTube Live, we have Facebook Live, we have Instagram Live. Instagram Live is probably the one that's the quote-unquote safest, if you will, and by safe, I mean it's just... There's, there's gonna be already no expectation of having super high-end production. It's on the phone, it's very simple. It doesn't have to be perfect. I think on YouTube, same, I mean, honestly, all the live streaming platforms welcome raw. It welcomes just realness. And I think that's what's so great about it. But also what's so great is you can practice telling these stories. And some of the best people who I know who really, really lean into live streaming and, and, and gather big audiences and earn so much trust in short periods of time are people like Nicole Walters, who had, I, she made a huge name for herself by going live on Facebook. And she told some amazing stories. Her personality came out, Shalene Johnson, same thing, she's a wizard right now if you follow her on Instagram with her Instagram stories. And she's talking a lot about these really important topics that have you get to know her much, much deeper. I trust her even more than I trusted her before because of the stories and the things that she's telling about her life and her ADHD and uh, stuff with her father-in-law that I just didn't even know about. And so you can practice on social media. You can practice with stories and be raw with it and be real with your audience, and I love that. So. Tomorrow, at the time of this recording, I'm recording this on September 14th, Tuesday, September 14th. 
Tomorrow, Wednesday, September 15th, I'm actually speaking at an event. The one and only event that I'm speaking at in 2021. It's the Traffic and Conversion Summit. It's in downtown San Diego. Today, I went to Puesto, which is an amazing taco place. You gotta go to Puesto. If you go to downtown San Diego, go to Puesto and get the filet taco. And they have really good vegan and vegetarian tacos too. So really good options for everybody. But the filet, the filet is legit. Anyway, I met up with Brian Harris and Grant Baldwin and their teammates who were in town to attend the event and to learn and to discuss and to plan. And I had lunch with those guys. I haven't seen like just people in the business space in person in so long. It was just so great. Then they went to get ice cream and they almost got me to do it, but I said, no ice cream. I'm, I'm not on sugar right now. It was really great. But I'm speaking tomorrow and it just makes me realize that, man, I've come such a long way. And I wouldn't have come a long way if it wasn't for guidance from people like Mike. And the books that I read, Stand and Deliver, is a great one. Gail Carnegie. Dale Carnegie wrote Stand and Deliver. One of the most helpful books I've read about speaking. A very simple read. If your child or kid is getting into public speaking and presenting, I highly recommend that book. It's very, very fantastic. This is probably the 25th time that I've given this presentation. But I love it because, number one, I was requested to do this presentation, which means, okay, well, I guess it must be good, which is very reassuring. But number two, like I said, every time you do it again and again, you could make it better and better. And that includes when you rehearse. So even though I've done this 25 times before, I am rehearsing it because I am trying to always make improvements. Going back to James Clear and 1% improvements every single time, this time I'm going to try and be even more relaxed. This year, at TNC or Traffic and Conversion, I'm actually gonna be on a stage with real people in the audience. I don't know how it's gonna look. I don't know if they're gonna be spread out, which I don't really like as a speaker. When people are spread out, I like the energy to be, the energy of the room to be closer together so that when people laugh, they help, it's kind of infectious, right? So they make, maybe I shouldn't use that word. Um, it, it, it makes other people around them laugh and that makes other people around them laugh. When it's spaced out, the laughter kind of dies down and you know, I'm not trying to put on a comedy show, but I do insert some humor here and there and that does add a level of flavor to the presentations. And I'm gonna try some different things that I haven't tried before. But I'm also gonna make sure I utilize the stage. I wanna move around a lot. I wanna have a lot of high energy, so I'm gonna be going to bed pretty soon. But I'm gonna tell the same stories that I know are gonna stick because those stories... You know, there's people in the audience who have never heard them before, number one. And number two, even if people have heard them before, I can remind people about those things because more often than not, and this is the big lesson here at the end, is the stories that you know work. Keep telling them over and over again because the people who have heard them before, they don't mind hearing it again. As long as you inspire, you educate, and you entertain. Those are the three things. Inspire, educate, entertain. And again, people have heard those stories before. I mean, how many times do we watch our favorite movies over and over again? We've heard the story before. We kind of know what's gonna happen and sometimes formulaic. However, we absolutely love it because it's entertaining, might be informative, and it's inspiring. I wanna wish you the best of luck because I want to push you. I wanna challenge you to, in your next piece of content, whatever content you create, I want you to go a little bit deeper in the story. Use a lot of the tips that Mike and I were talking about in the last episode, episode 519. Go and listen to that next. If you have some time, you're still in the car. You know, these Friday episodes are a little bit shorter. It's just kind of stream of consciousness from, from me to you. 
And so you can download my brain and use it for good. And I hope you do because story really, really works. It absolutely works. And to consider reflection on, you know, how far I've come as a speaker, people always comment about the stories that I tell. It's not the tips that I share, even though the tips are hopefully great and they are tactical and people can use them and get results. Even though I have stage presence and I work on my humor and I work on my sort of where, where, what do my hands do and all that kind of stuff, those things just enhance the story even more. So lean into that story. And if you don't have any good stories to share yet, well, go do something that creates a story worth sharing or find a story. Perhaps you have a customer or a student or a client of yours who is a story that you could share, which in fact actually better sells your stuff than you telling your own story. And the hero's journey is at play here. So, you know, thank you. You are a hero to me. And I appreciate you for listening in. I look forward to serving you in the next episode, episode 521. That is insane. That's a lot of episodes. I need to do a calculation to see how many listening hours that actually is. But anyway, we've had nearly 70 million views of this podcast. So many people listening to these stories. And, you know, like me, you might have thought when you first started out that, hey, these stories don't really matter. Why Why would people listen to me? It's kind of selfish to tell these stories. It's kind of big-headed sometimes, especially if there's a big win at the end of it. No. If you truly care about your audience and you're here to serve them, tell these stories because those stories will inspire, educate, and entertain. Cheers. Thank you so much. Take care. Let me know that you listened to this by giving me a shout-out on Twitter or Instagram at Pat Flynn. I'll say hi back and thank you. I appreciate you. See you in the next episode. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income podcast at smartpassiveincome.com. I'm your host, Pat Flynn. Our senior producer is Sarah Jane Hess. Our series producer is David Grabowski. And our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Sound editing by Duncan Brown. The Smart Passive Income Podcast is a production of SPI Media. We'll catch you in the next session. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. TED Talks Daily. I'm Elise Hugh. Today's speaker wrestles with a question to uplift people across various stripes and socioeconomic backgrounds. How can cities be a place where everyone in them can thrive? In her talk at TED Monterey 2021, social entrepreneur Irma Olguin Jr. introduces the work she's done to uplift and empower the people across her own smaller-sized California city and explains how that can be a model for places around the world. Like TED Talks? 
you should check out the TED Radio Hour with NPR. Stay tuned after this talk to hear a sneak peek of this week's episode. You wouldn't put your teen athlete on the same field as the pros, so why would you take them to the same doctor? Children's Healthcare of Atlanta Orthopedics and Sports Medicine is Georgia's only nationally ranked program for teen athletes. Visit today at choa.org slash teens. TED Talks Daily is supported by Hair Food. Hair Food offers simple, superfood-inspired products that will make your hair look and feel amazing. And every Hair Food product is certified PETA cruelty-free and is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oils. I have been using the coconut and chai spice shampoo and conditioner. It smells so good. I've also loved Hair Food's mission to nourish my strands. So if you are looking for nourished, healthy hair, it's got to be Hair Food. Look for it at Amazon, Walmart, and Target. Fresno and the entire Central Valley of California is a place that's built by agriculture. Miles and miles of farmland for as far as the eye can see with a couple of large, poor cities dotting the landscape. That's where I'm from, where I was born, and where I live today. My family, like much of the local population, is a family of immigrant farm laborers those toiling away in the fields, hoping for a 25-cent-an-hour raise. I didn't see myself destined for the glamour of Silicon Valley, but I did find my way to college, and something miraculous happened. I got a job in tech. And I remember the first time I didn't have to count the change when trying to figure out how much to tip for pizza delivery, when I realized that this industry, the technology industry, was going to change my life forever. And I remember thinking to myself, if it can happen to me, a poor, queer, brown woman from nowhere, why can't it happen to entire cities of people like me? And so for the last eight years, that's what I've been working on in Fresno, building a business that could expose what it takes to cause an entire city, and not just a select few people in it, to thrive. It turns out we only need three pretty simple ingredients— Training, proof, and community. So the cornerstone of everything that we do is job training. The communities that we work with are often from very poor populations, maybe folks who are learning English as a second language. Maybe they were unhoused, the formerly incarcerated veterans, folks who are very often from retail or factory work. These folks, their issue is not their ability to learn technical things. Their problems center on things that are a lot less obvious. Things like childcare, transportation, hunger, money. So those are the things that we focus on. It can be especially hard on families. How do you justify learning to do something like write code when there are bills to pay? Wouldn't it be better for the family if you just got a job at McDonald's and put in as many hours as you can? Because that's a check. And who's going to watch your little brother? That's what we do as a family. We pitch in. But how do you justify to the people around you when it looks to them like you're just playing around on the computer? We didn't invent a new way to teach JavaScript. We just focus a lot more on the things that actually prevent people from learning it. In addition to connecting our students to things like bus tokens and free regional transit options, We also just deploy a fleet of vehicles whose only job is to pick these folks up before their study groups and drop them back off after class. If they need food, we get them food. 
We work with food cupboards and pantries and making sure that boxes of food are delivered to these students' homes with enough for a family of three to five people. We connect them to childcare options that make sense for their schedules and their budgets. But most importantly, because cash is such a center of energy and decision-making for these families, through our apprenticeship program, we literally pay them to learn. So not only do they get to earn a wage and are exposed to real-world work, but now they also have that first line on the resume, the one that's so hard to get and the one that builds confidence in the rest of the world that you might know what you're talking about. And so you might be thinking to yourself, okay, Irma, this sounds great, but it sounds really expensive. So how do you pay for it? We've turned a long-held idea on its head. We have to stop putting the burden, the financial burden, on the student and the families who are already struggling and start putting it on the people and the entities that benefit most from their untapped potential. Entities like government, corporations, philanthropy. These are the entities that benefit from the development of that talent, and so that's who we get to pay for it. Let's throw back the curtain on what I'm trying to say here. Let's take the government. The U.S. spends a trillion dollars skilling up a workforce for this country. Many of those programs have mixed results, and while some folks who come out of them do, in fact, earn higher wages at the end, while they're still learning, when they're still in training, many of these folks can't also work, which means that they're not bringing home a check, which means that they're still in survival mode, which means that the people who would benefit most can't participate to begin with. That's where a system like ours makes some sense. We apply for allocations of that same kind of money and use it to pay people to learn. We also work with corporations. Q&A testing, for example, is a job that can be taught and a role that companies desperately need. Training up a batch of Q&A engineers is low-hanging fruit and has almost instant results for companies. For the companies to invest in the development of that talent, it breeds them a local and eager technology workforce from which to choose. Companies that are in a growth mode or who are experiencing a digital transformation, they know that the key to their future is their ability to find, hire, and retain talent. We can train up entire cohorts or a generation of junior-level and apprentice-level technologists trained directly to their systems, ready to be hired on day one. We've worked with all kinds of companies, getting them to pay for things like tuition and money for students to accomplish exactly this goal. Philanthropy's interest here may be even easier to describe. Foundations and nonprofits, they want to see their money put to good use. Take the Quality Jobs Fund, for example. It's a collaborative effort between the Federal Home Loan Bank of San Francisco and the New World Foundation. And their express mission is to address inequality through quality jobs expansion and skills development. We apply for allocations or grants from philanthropies like those, work with the government dollars that we just described, and companies in the way that we just talked about, put it all together to use it to pay people to learn. So that's how you pay for it. Now, what is it that these folks should learn on? In our view, it's real-world software projects, because that is the proof. You see, all of the software that the world needs built has to get made. And so we can leverage talent from these underrepresented communities 
to deliver on that need, build a training ground for green talent, and also build a really robust business. We'll take Onward US as just one example. It was a rapid response initiative in response to COVID where we partnered with the KPOR Center. It was adopted by the state of California and then 10 other states. The idea was to take displaced workers, folks who were affected by COVID, connect them to money and services and new jobs. We took a high-level senior software engineer who could architect the full platform and then apprentices who could execute on that roadmap. And in 11 days, we had a functioning prototype. You see the local mom and pop, the school district, the regional manufacturer, they all have software needs and they're going to pay someone to do it. With this model, they can have their solutions delivered back to them, but also participate in the creation of high growth, high wage jobs in their area. The last ingredient in our recipe is community. We need vibrant spaces that meet the aspirations of technologists and entrepreneurs. So we build castles for the underdogs. We buy blighted buildings in our downtowns for pennies on the dollar, improve them, lease them back out to ourselves and others in the technology industry. This creates community around the idea of leveling up entry-level humans and builds a shared understanding and value around what it means to have access to unlimited talent. The first project that we did was a building that had stood empty for 40 years before we took it over. We showed up with our tenant list and our ability to do work. Our partner showed up with a building that was empty and decaying. We painted the walls. We built a bunch of desks. We hung a lot of TVs. And when the coffee shop opened at the front of that building, it was like someone had flipped a switch on that corner of downtown. Suddenly, there were a 1,000 students and tenants and community members visiting that building each day. These ingredients, when you take them all together, they produce real impact driven by real change that affect real people who have names and faces and families and pets. Just one quick example, our pal Miguel, uh, who was once incarcerated, he didn't have any prospects for his future, his professional life, or really his family. He was scholarshiped through our pre-apprenticeship program using government dollars. Miguel veered just to the left of computer programming, landed neck deep in analytics and website funnels. He apprenticed for our digital marketing program. 18 months later, Miguel has a full-time job, a great salary, benefits, and a matching 401k. We've worked with over 5,000 students, and of those entering our career programs, over 80% earn technical employment. And in Fresno, this means that that new technology workforce is greater than 50% female or gender nonconforming, greater than 50% minority or Latinx, and 20% first generation. And those demographics mirror the demographics of our county. These are folks leaving restaurant, retail, factory, and field labor, earning on average less than $20,000 a year, exiting the programs earning $60,000 to $80,000 a year. That's gas in the tank and rent paid on time. And when you do that enough times, you see more sandwiches being purchased at the local panini shop, newer, more reliable cars taking these folks to work. 
the tax base improving, which invests in schools and rebuilds roads, homes in those communities that are being built or bought by the people who are actually going to live in them, dilapidated buildings that once stood empty, now full of energized underdogs sipping coffee and writing code, and most importantly, bringing with them the next generation of human that didn't see themselves leaving the packing house until they saw their pal make it work. And we can do this. You know, it's not at all a mystery. But we do have to do three very specific and deliberate things. Invite the underdog in the front door. Pay them to learn like it's their job. And then build them castles in their hometowns. It's worked in Fresno. It's working in Bakersfield and Toledo, Ohio, and it can work in underestimated cities all over the world. Thank you so much for your attention. Amal is a nine-year-old Syrian girl. She's very curious. She's a bit mischievous. Who also happens to be an 11-foot-tall puppet. Yeah, she's very, very big. And for months, she's been walking across Europe with an important message. I hope she gives hope to many people. Special delivery. That's next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Subscribe or listen to the TED Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. TED Talks Daily is hosted by me, Elise Hugh, and produced by TED. Theme music is from Allison Layton Brown, and our mixer is Christopher Fazy Bogan. We record the talks at TED events we host or from TEDx events, which are organized independently by volunteers all over the world. And we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or email us at podcasts at TED.com. episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. are coming. The holidays are coming. It's all good. The Georgia Hemp Company with locations in Woodstock, Decatur, and Sandy Springs has a full line of your favorite CBD and hemp products to keep you cool and calm. Like lotions, oils, and beverages. They also have a full line of CBD for your pets. The Georgia Hemp Company offers full consultations, samples, and Georgia's finest CBD. Visit their three Atlanta locations in Woodstock, Decatur, and Sandy Springs. Or check out thegeorgiahempcompany.com. Georgia's finest CBD. Plato's Closet in Gainesville is buying fall styles, and we need your vibe. You can sell all the fall extras you've accumulated. You have amazing taste and more fall styles than you know what to do with. Get cash on the spot when you sell your boots, coats, denim, scarves, and other fall pieces to Plato's Closet. We buy trendy, gently used clothing, shoes, accessories, and more for guys and girls. Sell your fall styles to Plato's Closet today. Plato's Closet Gainesville on Dawsonville Highway and 13 other locations in the Atlanta area. Visit platosclosetatlanta.com.
Peter. Have me. Hey, that's Peter Pass over there. Octoboos going in, Octoboos just gonna jump the flow, y'all, Octoboos back at it, Cosmic Funk, Flop, Cosmic Octoboos going in, Octoboos just gonna jump the flow, y'all, Octoboos back at it, Cosmic Funk, Flop, Cosmic Octoboos. What is happening? This is TJ Quake, yo ghetto gamer here on TJ Quake's Ghetto Gaming Pop Culture Talk, and we are uh, we 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 about to make some shares crack on this one today. It's just a podcast, um, and uh, of course we got lovely MJ M Bomb over here on the side over here playing some Smite tonight, some gaming Woo! night. Woo! That's right, <laughs> playing some Smite over here, and uh, she's playing my character actually, one of my characters. Uh, Clitoris. Uh, did I say Clitoris? I meant, um, Clitoris. I can never pronounce the, this uh, Greek uh, name. Um, it sounds like Clitoris. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as you guys all know, I always come on here. I normally do, uh, uh, my pop, pop culture talk. You'll normally also see it right there on YouTube, uh, live. Or not live, this is live, but YouTube later and everything. But today it's just a straight on the couch podcast with MJ in the mix playing a video game. And we just want to do, we just, I sometimes just want to jump on and just, you know, uh, just do a little pop culture talk with you guys. And, and let you guys know what's going on in pop culture world, the movie world, you know, video games, all that stuff right now. As you can tell, right now we're playing Smite. Uh, right now on the Xbox, and uh, one of my games that I play quite, quite a bit, actually. It's a game I've been playing for the last six years now, and uh, always have a blast with this game. Finally got MJ involved in the game, and she's been playing the game. How long have you been playing the game for now, boo? Mm, probably, gosh, I don't know. matter, like, almost a year, you think? A year? No. Is it been a year? No, you've only yeah. been playing like a baby, like... Maybe three, four months. No. I don't know if it's been that. Four months. No. I don't know if it's been no year. Well, anyway. So, anyways, today, ladies and gentlemen, we I just had to get on here and let you guys know we're going to be talking today about some alleged uh, craziness going on Twitter right now with the Twitter flavor and all these. the, with the LGBTQ, uh, well, the wannabe LGBTQ people, because I don't even know if these people actually even really represent the LGBTQ. I think these people just get on L- on Twitter just to complain and talk about every single thing that happens, and everything is either homophobic, it's freaking racist, it's f- uh, uh, feminine, you're you're a, a misogynist, whatever. You you can't win in this freaking game with these people because they're babies, they're safe spacers. Uh, the, all they do is whine and complain about every single thing in this culture, and that's what's going. Going on with our our daggum country nowadays, as you know, comedians can't be comedians anymore, which is why Dave Chappelle's doing what he's having to go through with the whole daggum trans thing, you know. And and these fools can't take a freaking joke. When back in the day, they used to be able to take jokes all the time. You know what I'm saying? Freaking Tom Jones. What did Tom, what did my boy uh, rapper Tom Tom McDonald uh, actually freaking said? He said something in one of his raps. He said he said, "How's all you people all freaking tripping every time when everybody used to watch back in the day? We used to all watch South Park, the most daggum controversial show ever. Everybody was watching that shit, just cracking up." 
back in the day when everybody could be normal and can say, you know, remember when we used to be able to actually say what we like to say and, you know, you could do a joke and nobody would get so freaking offended that they would be trying to cancel you. Well, we live in the cancel culture nowadays, ladies and gentlemen, and this is what I exactly fight against. I don't have nothing against the LGBTQ and, and, and trans and all these people and everything. What I have a problem with is when they try to make their little soft baby problems my problem. When they can't freaking handle shiz like everybody else does. And this is a perfect example of what I'm about to talk to you about now. Because we just did a review, right, Boo, on Halloween uh, Kills and everything mm-hmm. not too long ago. Yeah. You guys can check out that podcast. That's uh, mm-hmm. it's, in the, it's in our little podcast, uh, you know, streamline there. Um, and, you know, we did our little rating on it. And not once did I ever think there was some homophobic uh, flavor happening. In the movie. It didn't even come to my mind. I didn't even think anybody would be stupid enough to even bring something like that up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, lo to the old guys, it never surprises me. These motherfuckers, they just can't help themselves. They got to call everything. They want to they have diversity in all these movies now. They want everybody to be represented. So Halloween, for the first time, represents everybody. Blacks, whites, Chinese, and, 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 and gay people. In the movie. And so what we got going on is uh, uh, this came from TMZ. The TMZ is reporting on this, I think. Michael Myers alleged homophobia, okay, uh, for killing gay dudes in the Halloween and Halloween kills. Can you believe that one, Bo? How does that one sound? Michael Myers is homophobic now. Brother, well, he's been killing all us straight people all these years. Exactly. Every single movie. Every <laughs> single movie. Who's he been What's killing? All the little teenage white kids and so forth. No matter who they kill. Uh, Michael Myers, he don't discriminate when he kills, ladies and gentlemen. Michael Myers does not discriminate. I don't know why you people constantly think that. But he doesn't discriminate. <laughs> exactly. It's hilarious to think about and so forth. But, um... So here they are. This is this is their complaint. So um, I'll read right here uh, what uh, TMZ says. Psychopathic serial killer Michael Myers might have more issues than just his uh, penchant for murder. Apparently, the internet is gravely in the internet. It's not the internet. It's 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 a few dumb flipnicks on Twitter, y'all. Um, the internet is gravely concerned about his bigotry against gay people. Oh no! Michael Myers is he's a bigot against gay people. How dare he kill a gay person? Okay. This is <laughs> This is actually this is actually a thing now, you guys. The latest irritation of the mass madman is being accused by some Twitter throtters. Uh <laughs> that's the first one I have. Trothers, trothers of being homophobic for uh, um, offing a same-sex couple in the new Halloween Kills movie, which just came out about a week ago or so. Um, granted, some of these tweets were likely done in jest, but it's hard to tell who means what. Point point is, people have written the words, which is sort of outrageous in itself. Uh, one person jokingly writes, Halloween Kills was so good, but why did Michael have to kill the one gay couple? Michael Myers is a homophobic, homophobic confirmed. If you haven't seen it yet, there's a middle-aged gay couple dis- um, dis- uh, depicted for a good portion of the flick who are now living in Myers' child- childhood home. 
he eventually breaks in and in, in uh, the mercs of them both in pretty brutal fashion too. In the end, uh, M.M. lays, Michael Myers, lays their bodies next to each other. How cute. He at least laid their bodies next to each other, babe. <laughs> Michelle, Michelle, MJ's over here. Uh, Trippy, she just got jacked up on Smite real quick. Everything. And you know, but you know, I only represent the truth on this channel, baby. I only represent the truth. We're getting that. Our butts kicked on this. Oh, you guys getting your butts kicked? Somebody's already trying to surrender. Yeah. Look at that mess. Do Why do you want to surrender? Okay. Okay, we got to right. hold on, folks. We got to, you know. There we go. There you go. Oh, thank you. All right. Not that oh. the rest of the crew's doing it, though. Um, so, so yeah, you guys, these are the little stupid things that you're you're you're, you're seeing on here. Now, I, as I get into this, you know, I ain't going to read the rest of all this mess, you know, because, uh, you know, TMZ, they, they little bunch of leftists as well. So, yeah, exactly. And so forth. So, um, and, and, and I personally, a lot of things that they say you can, you can take with a grain of salt. But, but ladies and gentlemen, this is what I'm talking about. So these flipnecks are on freaking Twitter, you know, like anybody really gives a flip about Twitter anymore because more and more people are freaking leaving that thing. I don't do Twitter, y'all. I'll just be real with y'all. I, ever since they did what they did to Trump, and everything, I got rid of my Twitter account. I said, you know what? I'm done with these fools. There's too many other daggum social media sites that you can get on, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to be a part of this twi uh, the, the council culture anymore, ladies. There's more stuff out there for all of us. You got Paulo, you got Gab, you got locals.com, you got Rumble. There's so many more coming, and Trump's got his big social media thing coming out, and it's going to blow everybody away. But anyway, so for you people that don't like getting silenced by idiots like this, because this is what they are, and personally, I think they give the LGBTQ a bad name if you really ask me if you ask my point on it you know I, I would be I would I would hate to have these motherfuckers talking in my behalf if, if I was one of them because gay people watch these movies all the time too so you make it you make it seem like gay people can't handle a, 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 a movie where they get killed in and everything by a guy who kills everybody. Uh, funny how they're not complaining about the black people that are getting killed in the movie. There was three pro prominent black people that were in the movie that got all off and got killed in a very vicious way and everything. Michael don't discriminate. He kills girls, women, uh, you know, uh, white people, all of them. Everybody got killed in this movie and so forth. So I don't know what the hell these motherfuckers complain about. You think Michael Myers is going to be nice to the, uh, the, the just because they're gay? Hello, they're living in his freaking house, first of all, and everything. The one thing, if you know anything about Michael Myers, ladies and gentlemen, he always comes home. And when he comes home, you better be nowhere near his motherfucking house. That's, that's, that's just real. Okay, Michael Myers will take you out. And he don't give a flip. He ain't looking, oh, these guys are gay. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going I'm to kill these guys, especially these guys. He killed everybody in the damn movie, dude. Remember that movie, babe? And then the movie, and I'm sorry, but the movie got only a so-so rating for me. Not because he killed gay people or black people or white people or anybody in the genders or whatever you want to call it nowadays and everything. We gave it a uh, not too good of a rating because the movie started getting corny and yeah. everything. The movie just got start, started getting stupid because they started making it into like a Frankenstein type movie where the, the town's people are after Frankenstein, the monster, and so forth. And... And, and in the end, Michael still wins and kills everybody. It jacks everybody up. They leave the movie hanging, you know, with, with Jamie Lee Curtis's character who plays Lori and everything up there just talking to herself in a hospital room with, her, with an old friend of hers. And she's up there just talking the story. Michael Myers, he'll never die. You can't kill Michael. We've been doing it all wrong. 
holy this whole time. Why Michael Myers is out there slaughtering the town. I was like, what the hell is this? It just got stupid and everything. And, 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 you know, when they put the gay people in the movie, it it, it was more comic relief, really. Because they they were more comedy in the movie, if you think about it. Remember how they were just kind of both bickering with each other and stuff? You know, like a couple and all this craziness. And they're living in Michael's house. Hello? People used to say, don't go over to the Myers house. Don't go near the Myers house. So Michael kills two gay people, and now these motherfuckers are up here complaining. First you guys were complaining that not enough gay people were in movies with you guys, and now you guys are complaining that now they've got a gay person in the movie. Oh, you guys killed the gay people. How dare you? <laughs> I'm going to go whine on Twitter. That's what Michelle does. Right, Michelle? She don't do Twitter. She don't do Twitter. She knows better. <laughs> Everything she does do Facebook. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes she does a little Facebook. Shoot, I need a little water too. Shoot, let's drink at the same time. Mm. Ah. That was delicious and everything. Yeah, you people. So yeah, you know. Cheers. cheers. Yeah, let's give me a little cheer. Cling. Oh, freaking TJ Quake's Ghetto Gaming Pop Culture Night talk where we're gaming a little bit on some Smite. And everything, and I'm up here just giving you guys my my spill on this latest news about uh, the uh, homophobic Michael Myers. Whoever would have known that evil could be so evil that they would kill gay people? Oh my gosh! How could you kill a gay person, Michael? You're so freaking wrong. You're a homophobe. <laughs> nobody said that. Nobody said he was a racist when he killed the black people. Mm-hmm. How come they didn't call him a racist? Why aren't black people picketing motherfucking Hollywood right now? You know what I'm saying? Like they were picketing against him in the movie. <laughs> Michael Myers, evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. You know what they're going to be saying lately, babe? This is going to be the new one. Uh, Homophobics die tonight. Homophobics die tonight. That's what they're going to be saying. And we're going after Michael Myers. <laughs> I guess these guys are going to ban the next Halloween movie. We're not going to see that. He killed a gay couple. I'm like, people, this is where your stupidity, this is why um, sometimes I can't get with the, with, with, uh, the LGBTQ uh, community. Because all we get, rep- all that represents them is a bunch of freaking idiots. That's all I got to say. They're freaking trying to cancel Chappelle now. The, the mother freaking trans people because they mad. Because straight people don't think the way they think. <clears throat> they think that straight people should automatically just accept that um, their daughters and and, and and stuff like that should allow a, a transphobic or a trans trans woman to go into a girl's bathroom. Sorry, people. Um, people that actually still live here and got some actual, uh, I don't know, um, a sense. Uh, people that actually still live in the real world. Um, well, we don't want a man. When we say we, we had a boys in a girl's bathroom, <clears throat> there was a reason for that. Because girls want their privacy. My wife don't want to go into a bathroom with a man out there with his dick hanging out, freaking pissing in the toilet and everything, and just having his dick all hanging out in front of her. And so forth. Women don't want to be around that. And these trans people, they they forget that they still got they they still got their balls and dick. Sorry for the, the you know for the bluntness, but most of them still got their shiz going on down there because they ain't trying to go all the way over. Me personally, if you're going to go into the girl's bathroom, and this is just me saying, if you're going to be a trans woman, you want to be a woman, then cut your shit off. That's what I think. 
cut your shiz off and make it so that you become so that you can't freaking uh you know uh mess around with some woman in the bathroom because you still got man things there that still kind of want to penetrate if you know what i mean so i get blunt with shiz people i don't i don't hold nothing back and so forth and so these people out today all they want to do is push their um I guess their 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 sense of moral morals on you, and when they do that, that's when they come into problems. You know what I'm saying? It's not enough that you know we say, "Hey, you know, do you be what you want to be? I, I don't care what you do behind closed doors or what you do with another person. Just don't bring that over to my kids and and, and push that shiz on on us and everything." They try to force this mess in on our kids in schools now and all this bullshit and so forth. It, you know what? If you want to be what you want to do, do you and everything. But don't push your beliefs just because you're trying to get everybody to agree with, with the way you think. I'm sorry, but my mind isn't twisted like yours. Your mind somewhere down the line got twisted. Something's wrong with you people. That's just, I'm um, just be real with you and everything. God made man and a woman. He didn't make a man and a man. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. That's just the way it is. But I ain't got no problem as long as you don't put that shiz on me. Keep over there on your side. Stay cool and chill. And nobody's going to have no problems. Nobody had a problem with the two gay people in the movie. Everything. I, I, I looked at the movies like, okay, cool. Did, did you think anything of it, babe? I mean, I didn't think anything of it. We we just looked like, okay, yeah, two gay people in the movie, no. and we accepted it. He was already killing straight people before Ex- he killed the gay people. Exactly. He was killing everybody else. He killed off an uh, uh, an elderly black woman. How do you think a black person's supposed to feel about that? Huh? <laughs> what about that? Motherfucking racist Michael Myers? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't see black people freaking complaining about shiz like that when they get killed off in movies. The only thing we always say is, why is the black guy always get killed first? <laughs> you know, and so forth. But. Oh, you do say that a few times. Oh, yeah, we do say that. We'll, we'll say that sometimes. Well, why is the black man always got to die? Why does he die if I. Because the first, the reason why, you wouldn't know why black people say that, babe. Why? Because black people wouldn't be caught dead in a position that the, the white people normally get caught in in these movies. You know, like in Amityville Horror, where the freaking ghost tells the, 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 the couple to get out. And everything. And they're like, hmm, that's peculiar. Eddie Murphy made a freaking joke about that. He said, now, if that was a black family up in the house, he said, oh, this is real nice, baby. This is real nice. I like this. This is a real nice place. This is real nice. And then all of a sudden you hear this voice, get out. Yep, yep, yep. We got to go. Got to go. Got to move. Gotta, so let's stay. We ain't staying here tonight. Let's go. Come on. Let's pack the bags. Let's go. And that's what would have happened. You know what I'm saying? Black people would have been gone. Black people don't stay. Black people don't go into places like that. Because we. that's the one thing that we. we black people, I'll put it like this. Black people just scared. Of stuff, <laughs> okay. We we ain't gonna we ain't gonna take chances going into a black a black little cave, you know. Most of the time we gonna go. Uh, hey, yo, yo, Phil, man, I ain't going in that cave. Oh, come on, TJ, let's go in that. Nah, dog, that don't look cool. I don't know what looks. I don't know what the hell's up in there. But I ain't going up in there unless I got a gun, my flip. Everything. And then Phil says, oh, well, you're just scared. I'm just gonna go in here and just check things out. Well, you going in there by yourself, then, idiot. <laughs> that's what normally black people would do. That's the reason why most of the time when you put a black person in the movie and they die first and everything, they're like, uh, no, because we wouldn't have been there in the first place. <laughs> you don't see us walking into some creepy ass woods. What are, you, we're, what are you saying? We're stupid and you're not? Uh, in some cases, I'm saying white people uh, in the movies are stupid. <laughs> hey, that's just racist. <laughs> that's racist, TJ. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's all jokes, y'all. So, um, but see, but see, see me saying that. No, do you see a bunch of white people getting um, complaining and tripping? No, they're gonna look at it like it's a joke. They're all gonna laugh. And everything. No, man. You know how many white people uh, watched Eddie Murphy, uh, uh, all these black comedians over the years, and all that you ever hear these black comedians doing is all these freaking jokes on on white people and everything. And the white people be sitting out there, ah, <laughs> so funny and everything because they know it's a joke. It's it's just meant to be a joke. It's humorous. And so gay, gay people can't handle it. That's why Chappelle's freaking having a problem with these transgenders. And they all freaking up there in Netflix freaking protesting and shit. Talking about if you don't take Chappelle's uh, new comedy special off, we're going to walk out. Netflix is like, and? Okay. Leave. You think you can't, you can't be replaced? You know what I'm saying? You know, but then they want to threaten Netflix's, you know, you know, whole thing like, like, me, if I was Netflix, I mean, personally, I'd be like, you know what? Y'all can complain all you want. We make mo- we have shows on here that a lot of the, the conservatives don't like and so forth. And we don't give a flip about what they say. So why should we give a flip about what you say? <laughs> Everything, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's just, that's just the way it is, ladies and gentlemen. But you got this council culture out there that wants to counsel everybody. And everything. That's what's the problem what's going on in America. That's using why the conservatives and, you know, people a little bit more on the right are, are, are getting sick of it. Even Dem- some Democrats are starting to get sick of it because they're starting to realize that the shiz is backfiring. And now it's backfiring on them because the things that they were trying to they, they were silencing us for. Now they're getting silenced for stupid stuff that they say. And, and it's not it's not they, they're not liking it, you know. It's called freedom, people. It's called America. This is where it's supposed to be the land of the free. Pretty soon, once well, I can't wait till all the people in these other countries keep coming into other country. I can't wait till they start realizing, you know what? Maybe America is not such a great place to go to after all. I mean, I, I left my country to get away from this shiz. These Americans are just now starting to shiz up. Communism and socialism and so forth. And that's pretty much what's happening, ladies and gentlemen. You get these idiots like this on Twitter. Who the, it starts with these little little flipnecks, and then more people join into on the bandwagon, and they start complaining. And next thing you know, Halloween Kills is is a movie that can't be shown anymore. <laughs> that's how it happens. The next thing you know, they try, they try canceling a freaking movie over something stupid like, oh, he killed the freaking trans. Michael Myers is homophobic. Like, who the hell says something like that? These are people that don't obviously watch movies often and they don't really care about movies and they see some freaking movie finally where they get what they want, which is some diversity in the freaking flick and so forth. And then they complain because the first they, um, you know, Michael Myers shows them the same love as he shows everybody else. He kills them all. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? The only people that Michael Myers never kills is the little kids and babies. That's a, that's a, that's where he held. That's, I guess that's his like soft spot. You know, he normally looks at the kid and then he just walks past him and so forth. But you know, the, 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 the main thing is ladies and gentlemen, we need to, we need to get lessons out of this stuff. You know, we can all live in a peaceful, a, a peaceful age together, you know, and, 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 and get along with each other. If we stop freaking trying to dictate what people can do, say, and, and, and have it in a movie or in a on a comedy, you know, skit or whatever. Comedians are getting sick of it. And the people that are comedians that used to be kind of woke 
are starting to wake up that they're realizing, guess who the first people that are getting silenced? The comedians. Why? Because the woke little millennial freaking, you know, babies, safe spacers, especially those stupid dumbass kids in college and everything, because they all listen to their dumbass freaking professors who are trying to turn them into communists and everything. They get them all woke and they get them all um, crybaby and we need our safe spaces and all this bullshit. All you showing to everybody is that you're weak and that you can't you can't take it when you're living in the real world. And these people are going to act like for the first time that Michael Myers doesn't just kill anybody just randomly and so forth. They're going to complain because now they got a gay guy, a couple that dies in the movie. Everybody died in the movie. Matter of fact, me and MJ were pissed off because some of the favorite cats that came back, that there was almost like a reunion movie. It was almost Tommy, uh, Tommy, and uh, and the, what was I forgot what the other, the little girl that Lori was babysitting in the first movie. Lindsay. Lindsay. And so forth. You know, Tommy ends up getting killed. You know, some of these guys from the other movies that were kids in the other movies are now grown up and now they all end up dying. It's just like, dang, dude. You know, Michael just, and Michael was on a rampage in this movie, was he not? I mean, Mm -hmm. Michael was killing. He was like, he was like, really pissed. He was pissed. (laughs) He was mad because Lori and them freaking trapped him in the house and he was going to burn again. And I don't think he liked that too much. And everything, but he killed everybody. He was killing first responders, you know, firemen, policemen, you know, everybody. Why don't you? I'm sure you guys were happy when they killed the policemen. You guys didn't have a problem when they killed the firemen and the policemen. Yeah, they've been defunded. Go on, Michael, defund the police officers and the and the fire people by killing them. (laughs) I bet you they were clapping in the theater. Yay! Michael killed the policemen. But a gay person gets killed. Oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> why why the gay people <laughs> I'm sorry dude but that's just how I feel <laughs> woo take a picture exactly so um so yeah you guys so you know when I talk about pop culture I, I always like to get into the nitty gritty of things you know t- t- let people realize that we need to stop with all this nonsense you know what I'm saying? Let's get back to the old days when we could make, when good movies could be made again. Instead of putting all this woke bullshit to, 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 I don't know, satisfy a bunch of people that don't even really watch these movies. You know, as far as I'm concerned, none of these, especially like in the comic book history. Now, all the DC comics and Marvel comics are starting to look weak now. Eternals is out. And, you know, they're, they're you know, it, 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 it's got wokeness in that, too. The Eternals is out, and you know the funny thing about Eternals mm-hmm. is that, that that movie looks so cheesy. The, the nobody knows who these daggum comic book heroes are and everything. They're, they're like these new kind of characters called the Eternals, who were supposed to be like almost like they're gods. I was wondering what that was. About. Yeah, it's called the Eternals. Um, uh, Jay Lee, Jay, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jay Lee's in it, I think. Um, I'm mean, not Jay Lee. Um, I don't know who that is. Uh, it's like a made up name to me. Yeah, it probably is a made up name. Everything. Uh, uh, um, Angela Jolie. I'm thinking Angela Jolie. Oh. Angela Jolie's in it. She plays one of the gods. Uh, and they got some unknown guys, a couple of unknowns in there, and some some known people. But ladies and gentlemen, it looks cheesy. From what I saw in the in the in the in the previews, it, it just looks. From what I hear, it's like a lot of CG. Um, it's somewhat. I heard from some critics, it's 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 got some kind of a vibe, but it loses it with a bunch of just like woke bullshit that gets up in the movie. And so forth. Nobody wants to see all that mess, you guys. Make some real daggum movies again. You know what I'm saying? Let's go back old school. 
and so forth. And 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 Hollywood's going to end up losing so much money because they they had not freaking figured it out yet. And then they wonder why their movies are not doing so well. One of the actors from the Eternals is up there freaking rag, ragging on the daggum fans and so forth. The movie ain't even out yet and so forth. I'm like, dude, do you think that's going to really help sales for your movie? You're going to cuss out and, and, and ridicule the fans? And the only way, what did he say? He said that this is going to teach those fans. This is going to teach those people. But uh, I don't like really. That's what you're going to say? Okay. Let's see how many people come see your freaking movie. Which is why he ended up having to take the tweet down because uh, the the Hollywood production studio probably said, "Hey man, this isn't a good idea to be talking shiz. We ain't even got the damn movie out yet, and you talking shiz on the people that we need to come and see the damn movie. What the frick you doing, dog?" <laughs> And so that's what these actors do, though, nowadays. They they start talking shiz on the fans, and then they wonder why their freaking movies don't do well. And so because the fans are like, oh, really? That's how you feel? Okay. I won't go see your movie. You won't be getting my money. And that goes worldwide. And then these motherfuckers lose all kinds of money, and then they wonder why nobody wants to see the freaking movie and why their movie failed so badly. You know? So... It is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. These people just don't get it. Hollywood don't get it. They're starting to get it because now, if you notice, uh, the conservatives are starting to create their own shiz now. Oh, yeah. They're creating their own shiz now, ladies and gentlemen, and so forth. Like Daily Wire. You know, Gina Carano is now over there at Daily Wire making a great movie. She's doing directing and producing herself and so forth. After they screwed with her on Star Wars, she was like, ah, you know what? Frick you, motherfucker. You guys think I need you? Gina went off and did her own thing. Because there's always more than one way to skin a cat, people. Don't think you're going to silence anybody. For all you people out there that are even listening to this right now, and, and you think that, you know what? Oh, TJ, you're full of bullshit, dude. We, they deserve what they're getting. Okay. Okay. Wait till we start splitting away from you idiots and so forth. And when we do, you guys are going to be jumping trying to get on our side again. Because that's how it always happens. And everything. You guys are gonna all start want to jump on our bandwagon. When the country splits in half and everything, I guarantee you that the Democrats, the elite Democrats, are not gonna want to live on the side where they're where they're where they're supposed to be representing you people. Because if you look at where the elite Democrats, your congressmen, your senators, all that shit is, I guarantee you they don't live in these motherfucking ghettos that they represent. They don't live in those areas, ladies and gentlemen. Look where they live. They live in the nice ritzy areas. You know where those nice ritzy areas are? Those are the areas where you guys keep talking about that the rich need to be taxed. You guys keep forgetting that these congressmen and senators, they're rich people. So you think they're going to really tax the rich? Get over that bullshit, people, because it's not going to happen. <laughs> so forth and everything. You guys are you guys are barking up the wrong, wrong tree. They're lying to you, making you guys think that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. And all they do is freaking, then you guys sit back and wonder, why isn't this stuff happening? But BLM is all pissed off now because, you know, oh, the mandate's freaking starting to freaking affect black people. And this is ra- a new racism. Oh, now BLM is pissed off at Biden. Well, you are the dumb idiots that voted for him. You know what I'm saying? Now they complaining and so forth. We've been telling you stupid idiots y'all voted for. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Yeah, you guys have been voting for that dumb idiot and so forth. So that that's all I got to say about this kind of stuff, you guys. All this stuff just it, it intertwines with each other. Do you got all you do is you keep say you keep listening to these people on Twitter, which nobody really cares about because Twitter is like uh, what a, per, a a percentage of the population that gets on Twitter 
And most of these people are, are like, you know, little groups that nobody really gives a flip about, nobody even cares about, and so forth. But they try to make themselves known by counseling people, and, and you know, and, and the thing is, it always backfires on them. You know, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but <clears throat> Halloween isn't going to get canceled. And if even if it does, it already made its freaking money. So does it, does it really matter now that you guys are complaining about it? You're a little late complaining about it. That's for one. A little late. The movie's already been out. It's been out. It's already made its money and so forth. And guess what? The people that are Michael Myers fans are not going to give a flip that Michael Myers killed two gay people. Why? Because they didn't give a flip when they killed the black people or the white people or the Chinese people in the the freaking movie. So take that one to the bank. You dumb asses. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to come on here and give my little twit twit flip flip flow on this mo. This is TJ Quake's Ghetto Gaming Pop Culture Talk. And um, I'll be back with some more flavor, you guys. You know, I'm always up here talking shiznit and all that. want to thank all the people that have been coming in, checking out the, you know, our, our little podcast here. We do also the TJ and MJ Spin Your Dollar, Save Your Dollar movie reviews. You guys will be catching some more reviews. We'll probably do a review on Eternals when uh, when that hits. Um, and, and a couple others. Uh, you know what? Babe, we still haven't even seen the new 00s. Wait, is 007 out yet? Or it is out? Um, no, it is. Did it come out? All I heard is that the, some of the ratings I've already heard on 007 are not that great. Yeah, isn't it just at the movie theaters right now? Or? Yeah, I think it's at the movie theaters. I mean, I don't know. <coughs> You're right. I think it's just at the movie theaters and so far. Sometimes, you know, we haven't gone back to the theaters yet because, you know, um, until they stop all this mask wearing bullshit, I ain't up in the theaters. I'm watching all my shit streaming and so forth. Um, <clears throat> so that's how mm-hmm. oh, we go to the drive-in. We'll go to the drive-in. Yeah. And stuff like that, which right. is like the new movie going type of thing now, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you have it. Mm. Is there any other new movies that are getting ready to come out that we know of that we're getting ready to check out? You know I'm trying what? to think. Yeah, I've been, uh, I'll have to check. Everything. Sure. I know there's got to be a couple... Um, I mean, I've been seeing a lot of trailers for some of the DC. I mean, they, they, some of the DC movies, like the Batman... Uh, I saw that one's looking pretty good, ladies and gentlemen. The Batman, I have to give it to the guy. I forgot what his name is from the place that was in Twilight. He's playing Batman. Um, and oh, at first, something Patrick. Um, uh, Patrick. Um, Patrick. Yeah, you're right about that. I think, but he he at first I didn't think this guy was going to be able to pull it off. After I saw the trailer, dude. I was like, oh, snap. Mm-hmm. Patrick is pulling this Batman off. Like, he's a whole new type of Batman. You know? Oh, no, no. It's not Patrick. Sorry. Oh, it's not Patrick. No. I okay, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick. I didn't say that it was Patrick. <laughs> but that was MJ. TJ said it. I, but I, I was saying Patrick. what you were saying, though. I was repeating what you said. Okay? <laughs> so, you guys, it's I'm... Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson was what I was saying. Because I said Robert Pattinson. You can remember his name. I said, well, I was going to say Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. (laughs) Yes, Robert Pattinson is playing the new Batman. And I had to say, I don't know what you were thinking at first about him being Batman at first, boo. But I I was like, I uh, I liked him from the... I liked him in Twilight. He was cool for Twilight. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's a little skinny, little, you know, you know, not that he's not a bulky guy. You know, yeah, and he's not like you look at it. You don't look at Pat him and look like, oh yeah, he that guy sure he can play Batman. No, I didn't. I didn't think of that at all. But after seeing the trailer, woo, Pat, Mister Pat, yeah, he, uh, 
Yeah, he 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 actually uh, turned my thinking around and everything. And the movie trailers actually turned my thinking around for the movie. Um, so that that's looking like it might be pretty good. Uh, we'll we'll see. Um, as long as they keep woke bullshits out of it, you know we we can keep going down the road. Just make real movies again, people. That's all we're talking about. Just make movies again. Stop thinking about so much nonsense. Stop putting stuff into it. Everybody was satisfied with Halloween the way it, way the way the movie came out. Nobody was thinking homophobic. That was the last thing that came to my mind. Oh, Michael Myers, he killed two gay guys. He must be a homophobic. Like really. Come on, peoples. Let's just get real. Can we have a? Can we have realistic conversations again? Can we do that now, babe? Is now this? Can we have that? Can we actually like think like real um, humans? You and I, you and I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what, what happened to the real? See, that's the reason why I want to go back to the eighties and the nineties. And so when people actually, when you know, things were normal. We don't live in normal times anymore, people. It's just everything has gone completely buck wild, crazy, and so forth. And it's we live in a twilight zone. I had to make a freaking song off it. This is literally a twilight zone we live in, ladies and gentlemen, for real. And everything. Our government is freaking crooked as oh get out. These people are evil. And everything. I don't know what the hell, dude. Hopefully something turns around. And everything. I want normal normalcy again. Everything. Or God just come down here and just take this just just take this planet out. Because I don't know if these people I don't know what's gonna happen. This is like Sodom and Gomorrah all over again. But all I want is normal mo- movies again that I can go and enjoy a good a cool movie again, you know, and, and we could we could talk about it and, and crack jokes on it and all kinds of stuff. You know. And everything. Did you ever find out what other movies is coming out, boo? <laughs> I, I mean what, I was looking but then you had me go what, check out the guy I mean, what are you doing back? over there? You have to check out the Batman. Guys. Well, could you could you hurry it up? I was um. Jeez. I was taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. I saw a new trailer on uh, the, the new Flash movie. Ah, Flash is looking kind of. I don't know. I, I had to see some more of it. It's uh, the guy that's playing Flash. The guy that plays Flash. I'm not all that big of a fan of him being. To be honest with you, playing play Flash. Everything. Actually, I like the guy that's on the TV series playing Flash a little bit better on the CW, and that's saying a lot. Because CW, they screwed up every DC movie out there. Batwoman is freaking a piece of crap, and it's going down in the ratings like you wouldn't believe. The ratings just keep going down, 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 down. Mm-hmm. What do you got there, boo? What's that? I was checking out the movies, but. Which one is that? I don't really see anything right now. Oh. We have to wait uh, until next week, see what comes out. Oh, okay. Uh, I was just showing early access, mm-hmm. injustice, last man down, last man down, early access, injustice. Um, mm. There's a few we have to check out the trailers yeah, too. Yeah, we have to check out some of the trailers on some of these, yeah. see what they're all about, mm-hmm. and all that. But um, we'll be coming back at you guys, you guys, with some more little latest flavor. And, of course, obviously, you'll be seeing more movie reviews from TJ and MJ. And, of course, more pop culture talk from TJ Quick's Ghetto Gaming. Um, once again, you guys, you can check us out on our website, uh, um, uh, Ghetto Galactic uh, Entertainment, uh, dot com off of Wix. Well, it's Wix dot, uh, Wix dot uh, forward slash. But I never can say, say the whole daggum thing. Anything. 
I'll put it in in the description in the, in the, in the descriptions or whatever. But uh, you'll see us there. But check us out on Spreaker.com. You can just put in TJ and MJ and you'll find us. Uh, Google it, TJ and MJ spend your dollar, and you'll and you'll find our our stuff. We're on Spotify, Spreaker.com, uh, Google Play, uh, a, a host of different uh, podcasts. Uh, you know, little entities out there now. And so uh, we'll always come to you real with some some craziness and uh, our thoughts on on what's going on in the pop culture world and. Uh, may the funk be with you. Anything you want to say to the people, uh, MJ? Good night. <laughs> they, 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 that, that's her uh, good night as she uh, shuts her eyes. Peace all right. Out. Peace to the Middle East, all you uh, sorry sap suckers. And uh, skin tight. <laughs> I don't know. Skin tight. Whatever. I'm out. <laughs> and we'll leave you with this right here. Live here on Spreaker.com podcast. That was dumb. <laughs> you, you dumb. Yeah. Um. I don't know what to tell you, but this movie sucks. Save your dollar, sucker. For forty years, Michael Myers has haunted this town. He is the essence of evil, and evil dies tonight. Halloween Kills, rated R, under 17, not admit without parent, in theaters and streaming only on Peacock now. For 40 years, Michael Myers has haunted this town. He is the essence of evil, and evil dies tonight. Halloween Kills, rated R, under 17, not admit without parent, in theaters and streaming only on Peacock now. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.